What's good? Fantasy Rasta here. I'm not a chef, but I'm here to chop it up, talk about these sports, talk about some things that are changing within the industry, talk a little bit about daily fantasy. You know I'm going to cover the NBA. Um, some good stuff to talk about today. I hope you enjoy. Follow me on Twitter at, fa at Fantasy Rasta. You can follow me on Instagram at Fantasy Rasta. Uh, feel free to post any of your questions, anything that you want me to talk about. I love to hear uh, input. Give me reviews. Tell me what you think I should change. I can take constructive criticism pretty well most of the time. But first thing I want to talk about is this Serena Williams versus McFay tennis match that Donald Trump is gassing up. So Donald Trump said that he's going to put up a million dollars for McFay to play Serena Williams in a tennis match. That's cool. Free money. If it was me, I'm doing it in a heartbeat. Even with the fact that I don't, I, I don't want to compete with a female if I know that she has a possibility of realistically beating me. Okay, like I'm talking I'm legit. Like if we're talking about going to play pool, I can't play pool. I'm terrible. My elbow hurts. Okay, I got arthritis in my elbow. I'm making something up. I'm not doing that. I'm not going down that path to embarrass myself. Maybe I have too much pride, but that's just me personally. And just to get back to Serena Williams, I mean, she has to be one of the greatest, greatest of all time, right? If not, she's the greatest of all time. Most dominant, dominant in her sport. I mean, that arguably can go male or female, to be honest. And that's I think that's pretty incredible. If you, when you go back and think about it and, and you know, 10 years from now, you start thinking about Serena Williams and how dominant she was. You have to consider her as consider her as one of the greatest of all time in her sport. Um, now, as far as with the World Cup, that's the next subject I want to talk about. The World Cup is a, is a big deal for me, especially. I mean, I don't know if you know anything about me, but I played soccer my whole life. 20 years plus of soccer, played on all different levels, collegiate, played uh overseas in South America. I played for one of the best teams in the state. My closest friends are all soccer players. That's kind of what I, I lived and breathed, what I was living and breathing growing up, especially since my family's from the Caribbean. But the World Cup is coming up. The World Cup is in Russia, right? So I, I like to hear who people think are going to win, who's, who's going to make a big impact in the World Cup. And what a lot of people overlook is these sporting events bring – they raise a country's economy. They increase it, right? They increase a country's economy. So, you know, when these small countries go to the World Cup and all of a sudden they, they blow up because, you know, they go on a nice run, they, they, they're winning games, they're moving into, you know, the round of 16, they're making a difference in, in, in the world stage. It's a world stage. I don't know if you guys know, but soccer is the most popular sport in the world. America is the only place where soccer isn't, for the most part. So, the, as far as with the World Cup and the fact that it's in Russia, and with the people that I've asked, I'm hearing a lot of a lot of people saying Germany, which is understandable. I mean, they're, they're the top-ranked team in the world. They have been for a while. They may, ha they may realistically have a shot. And I'm here in Brazil. They're number two. My team is Belgium. That's my team. I've been saying it for years. If you go on my Twitter, if you go on my Facebook, you'll see I've been saying this for years. Belgium is going to be one of the best teams in the World Cup. They've got a great group. They have. They definitely have a good chance of getting out their group on top. My, my issue with Brazil compared to Belgium and Germany is, one, the time difference. 
to the elevation. You're going from under the equator to above the equator, right? We're talking about a sport that involves a high amount of endurance, high amount of cardio. So it affects the elevation change and the time difference affects a lot of things, right? So imagine you're a professional athlete. And mind you, these, these soccer players are playing almost year round. They're playing in their leagues. They, they have to qualify to get in the World Cup. So they're playing in international games as well. It puts a lot on your body. Although you get used to it over amount of time, it puts a lot of your lot on your body. So imagine being a professional athlete. You're traveling, right? You're traveling all around the world. You've got the pressure from the media. You've got the pressure from the fans. And at the same time, you've got to find time to sleep. You've got to find time to take care of your family. You've got to find time find time to handle your finances. Although you have people that are going to do that for the most part, but still, these are all things that you have to deal with. On top of the fact that you have to step onto the field, to step on the court, and and produce, you have to produce. You're a, you're a million dollar athlete, so you're 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 realistically you're you're your own business, and you have to envy all these athletes. You have to, I mean, I do. Dealing with all that, you're running your own business and you're sacrificing your body in order to in order to make it happen. So my point is my point is this, okay? Brazil is a great team. They always show up in the World Cup. They always do their thing. Right now, the, you know, where all their players are right now are, are in their prime for the most part. You got Neymar, one of the best players in the world right now. The issue, again, is the time difference, the elevation. You, you're, it's just it, I would prefer to see them play in a different kind of atmosphere. With Russia being so close to Europe, I'm sure that a majority of the fans are going to be from the European teams. So that's what kind of gives the edge for me personally to Belgium, Germany, Portugal. You can't forget Portugal. You know what I mean? Portugal, you got Cristiano Ronaldo who's playing like like who's playing unbelievable right now, looking like the best player in the world. And then you've got Argentina who's number who's ranked number 5. So Messi Right, Argentina, you automatically think of Messi, right? Messi is in a class of his own. You get a lot of comparisons between Ronaldo with Ronaldo and Messi. They're two different players. All right, you've got you've got a a a, a, a quick, agile dribbler who can finish, and that's with Messi. And then you got Ronaldo, who's Fast, he's quick too, but he, he's fast. You know what I mean? He's, he's he's a winger. He can score from anywhere. He he'll dribble past you. But since I'm on the subject and we're talking about the two greatest players in the world, we won't see another Messi for a very long time. That's a fact. Ronaldo is blessed with athleticism. He's blessed with speed. He's blessed with the shit that you can't coach. Or if you can coach it, you can only coach it to a certain extent. You can only coach speed and get it so fast. You can only get stronger and get so strong. So it's gonna be. It's gonna. I'm excited. I'm excited for the World Cup. I don't even know. I don't even know where to go with this. Just if you're not a soccer fan, I encourage you to be. This only happens. The World Cup only happens once every four years. So you can understand why it's a big deal. It's like the Olympics. And unfortunately, it only lasts like a month, month and a half. But that's my that's that's just how I feel. I mean, and, and to kind of back up what I was saying with Belgium, 
you've got some nice players on Belgium, okay? You've got Mertens, you've got you've got uh, De Bruyne, you've got uh, the Hazard brothers, you've got Nangolin, Dembele, you've got Lukaku. I mean, they've got a squad, and their squad is is young, you know what I mean? For the most part, they're young, and these are players that are just moving into their prime. So when you see that and you see chemistry, like Lukaku and De Bruyne, De Bruyne, first of all, is my is right now is my favorite player. I mean, the way the guy plays, he doesn't lose the ball. When you when you're watching soccer, to me personally, the best player on the field is a player that doesn't lose the ball and makes the right decision. So yeah, maybe you play uh, forward, you score three goals, but you lost the ball fifteen times and you took twelve shots. Well, I want efficiency. It's a 90-minute game. Every moment that you get the ball is an opportunity for your team to do better if the ball is in the right place. So De Bruyne is playing in center mid. He's going to be shooting. He's going to be passing. He's going to have a big effect on the game. So he's one of my favorite players. Watch him if you don't know who he is. He plays for Manchester City. Kids a baller. Then you got Lukaku. Lukaku plays forward. It's a striker. Right, so this guy is gifted again with strength and with speed. On top of that, he's left-footed. Now, this is just—I don't know how much you guys know about sports, but to kind of fill you in, <clears throat> if you're playing baseball and you're a left-handed pitcher, you gain an advantage because from if you're pitching to someone that's right-handed, for the most part, the angle that you see the ball comes a lot differently opposed to someone that was right-handed. And typically, left-handed pitchers can throw a little bit harder than right-handed pitchers on average. So it's kind of the same concept with soccer because you're left-footed and it becomes, it's almost unorthodox. It's almost, and if you could, obviously, these guys are playing at the highest level, so most of them can use both feet. Lukaku can use both feet, but he's got a left-footed cannon. And growing up, every kid that I played with that was left-footed, that had a dominant left foot, all could rip the ball. So, Lukaku, that's my boy right there. He's he's got the strength. He's got he's got the speed, and he's a, he's a player that that you can depend on. He's a guy that will make plays happen out of plays that you don't expect to happen because of his size, because of his strength, and that's and that's what I feel like kind of sets him apart as as an as a, a prolific striker. One, he's still young. But he's a guy that can bail you out of bad situations. So, for example, if you're playing a ball to him in the air, he's more than like he he has a better chance of taking that ball down off his chest or being able to extend his leg to get control of that ball, opposed to Messi, who's got a smaller radius because he's shorter. You know, his legs are shorter, his chest isn't as big. So again, you can't coach athleticism, you can't coach size. I'm going with Belgium in the World Cup. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram if you disagree, if you like someone else, if you like another team. Tell me why you like that team, and I'll be happy to debate on, on, on my perspective of things. So I'm going to jump into the next segment here in a minute. Stay tuned. We'll be back to talk a little bit more about baseball, a little bit more about uh, daily fantasy. We're going to talk a little bit about gambling, too. All right, so let's talk a little bit about about baseball. Let's talk about the MLB. Let's talk about these standings. So I'm going to talk about the American League East. 
I'm from Tampa. For those of y'all that don't know, eight one three all day. So, the Rays, right? So we, I go into the season. I'm talking a lot of shit about the Rays and about how bad they're gonna be. Uh, they're only what seven? No, yeah, they're about eight games back of five hundred. I, I, if they finish five hundred on the season, I'll be shocked. But the American League East, boy, that's a headache. I mean, you got Boston and the Yankees right now tied with 28 wins, 12 losses. Toronto's, Toronto's what, three three games back, three and a half games back? Look, Boston is real, and so are the Yankees. I mean, both these lineups have pitching. I think Boston gets the edge in, pitch, in pitching. Uh, Yankees got the edge in, in hitting. I, I, To be honest, I don't think the Yankees have hit full stride yet, and we've seen some some big games from them. But that lineup, one through seven, Minimum, minimum one through seven could hit 20 bombs this year. Neil Walker, Gardner, Stanton, uh, Gregorius, Judge, Sanchez. Sanchez isn't even, isn't even batting 200 yet. And then he hit like 30 something bombs last year. So the Yankees are a team to watch in the AL East. Boston, it's hard for me. Boston is real because they always compete with, with in this division. Always. And I feel like every time the Yankees get a good squad or a squad that everyone thinks is going to be good, Boston sneaks in there and surprises everyone. So in the AL East, I could see both the Yankees and Boston making the playoffs. If I had to pick a wild card, it's going to be Boston, I think. I don't know. I could be wrong. The AL Central, you've got Cleveland and Minnesota at the top. Uh, that's a That's a tight division. Cleveland's the only team with over 20 wins. So that division is pretty weak. I think Cleveland holds on. Minnesota should keep keep. Uh, Minnesota might take this central division to be honest, because they don't even have Sano. Nah, no, you know what? No, Cleveland's going to take this division with the pitching that they have, for sure. So I, I keep your eye on Cleveland because those bats haven't woken up. They're still asleep too. They haven't woken up yet. The AL West, you've got Houston. With 26 wins, you got the Angels with 24 wins and Seattle with 22. That's a real tough division. Houston, you know, they're going to be the favorite to take it, but I think the Angels are quietly going to sneak in, could possibly sneak into the playoffs. The pitching isn't the best, but between them and Seattle, it's not a big difference as far as with pitching. As far as with power, I think the Angels have an edge here, and this guy Otani is a, is a monster. My boy just my boy just got his jersey and I want to do the same thing. This guy pitches and he bats. And I'm pretty sure he's batting over 300. And last night he had 10 strikeouts. Like I didn't think we were ever going to see something like that. But this guy came over here and he's tearing it up. I I didn't expect that at all. But the Angels the Angels are interesting because they actually are missing a big power hitter that a lot of people are are forgetting about because he played for the Padres last year, but Ryan Schimpf is is on this roster. So you've got Kinsler, Schimpf. That win is there. He's not going to hit for a high average, but he, he can get you 20, 20 home runs. Pujols is still going to bat well, whether the power is there or not. Trout, you know what Trout's going to do. Calhoun is, is going to get hot. They're a decent team, and I think if if by the trade deadline they make a couple moves, maybe get another a better starting pitcher or an additional pitcher to put in that rotation, they could be a problem. Houston hasn't hit stride yet and they've already got 26 wins i mean altuve it's got what two home runs maybe 
they're they're a deep they're a deep team too. It might be hard for the Angels to catch Houston, but I do like them over Seattle. So in that in the NL East, you've got Atlanta, Philadelphia, and Washington. All three are within a game of each other. That's a, that's yeah, that's that's a headache. And then you got the Mets at number four with 19 wins. So Atlanta right now is hot. Atlanta's real hot. I think they only have like two players on their team that are batting under 250. That's that's ridiculous. The issue with them is the pitching. I'm telling you, baseball is all about your starting pitching and the, and the and the depth that you have in your bullpen. That wins you championships. That's why last year, and I kid you not, last year, it was about this time. And I have a friend that will vouch for this. Friend asked me, Aunt, who do you think is going to be in the World Series? Asked me this this time last year. I know it for a fact it was in May. And I was like, I took a minute to think about it. And I, I legitimately said that the Dodgers and Houston were going to be in the World Series in May of last year. And then he asked me, okay, so if that happens, I'm going to take the Dodgers and you're going to take Houston. Because I told him I thought that Houston was going to win the World Series. And look what happened. So pitching pitching is definitely really important. It's just like basketball. It's just like any sport, really. I mean, defense wins you, wins you championships. It does. More often than not, Defense is going to win you championships. Your defense in baseball is not just in the fielding. It's with the pitching. In order for your fielding to take effect, to have any kind of importance, it starts with your pitching. So if your pitcher isn't allowing them to get hits, isn't allowing home runs, it's it, it makes the game so much easier and puts less pressure on the team. So I think pitching is, a, is going to be a deciding factor, especially in this division. And I think Washington comes out out of third place and could win this division. I, I think so. I think they could win this win this division right here. Atlanta will, will fade. They'll begin to fade. They're, I think they're gonna keep hitting all year. They're gonna hit for a high average. They're a tough team to strike out too, man. Like they're they're a good offensive team. I just they they need to they need to get a pitcher themselves. Philadelphia, they look good too. But the problem that I have with Philadelphia is that they have games where, where they don't show up. They're too inconsistent and they're a little young. So I'm going to give the edge to Atlanta and Washington in this division. If you put a gun to my head and told me to pick one, I'm going to go with Washington. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chase the history. In the NL Central, you got Milwaukee, you got St. Louis, Pittsburgh. They're all within two games of each other. Milwaukee's in first, St. Louis second, Pittsburgh third. And then you got the Cubs who are three games back of Milwaukee with 21 wins. So Milwaukee's going to fade. St. Louis, I, I love the Cardinals. I'm not really like a, a – I wouldn't say I really have a, a MLB team, but the Cardinals, I like good organizations. I like prestigious organ, organizations, guys that – teams that, that consistently go to the playoffs and they could change players, they could get new pitchers, they could do a whole they could revamp their whole team and still be a threat in the playoffs or a threat to make the playoffs on a consistent basis. With St. Louis, that's every year. Every year they're a threat to make the playoffs. So, I'm going to go with St. Louis. No, St. Ooh, that's tough. St. Louis cuz I think the Cubs wake up too because I mean, who is it? Chris Bryant or Anthony Rizzo is batting like 210. Like when you when your elite players, your your star players, are underperforming, when you're talking about baseball, we're talking about a 162 game season. So, the averages have to adjust to the mean, have to get back to normal. So we're talking about what a, a 
270 hitter that's batting 210. So in order to get his average, even if 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 he doesn't hit 270, he's gonna you could you could you could say he's gonna be close to 270. So even if you went to, to 260, right? That's a 50, that's a 50 point difference. So that means at some point, Anthony Rizzo is gonna get hot. And he's gonna get hot where he's gonna make that average level out to the mean. So the Cubs are gonna be dangerous. They have the edge in this division to pitch in for sure. Absolutely. St. Louis is just always a threat. Milwaukee will fade, but they just keep finding a way to win games. I don't understand how, but they just keep winning games. Um, and for the NL West, you've got Arizona, Colorado, San Francisco, the Dodgers. The Dodgers are, are tied for last place right now. Who would have thought that? With that staff and those bats, they're underperforming big time. Arizona's in first place right now. Colorado's in second. Colorado will fade like they always do. San Francisco in third is a sneaky team to, to get into the wild card. I, I think their bats are going to wake up. Longoria, McCutcheon, Brandon Bell, Buster Posey. The pitching, the pitching there is, is a little rough, but you got a pitcher's ballpark. So if you go grab another pitcher, you throw another guy in your rotation, beef up that bullpen, you've got a chance in this division. But the team that that that's real interesting right now is Arizona. I mean, they're they're a real interesting team. Last year they didn't have AJ Pollock. Right now AJ Pollock is at, he's I know for a fact he's top five in home runs in the league. You got Paul Goldschmidt who's on who's batting like three thirty with three home runs, and we're going we're in the middle of May, so those hits and doubles are going to turn into home runs with the guy that's averaging twenty five plus home runs a season. There's a lot of no-name players on that team. You've got uh, Nick Ahmed, Daniel Descalco. Uh There's some outfield. Arizona always has a deep outfield for some reason. They always, for whatever reason, the outfield is deep. David Peralta is there. They, they've got some bats. The pitching, they've got Granky there. I mean, he's going to be consistent. They've got Godley. they got Patrick Corbin. I like the staff a little bit. They beef up the bullpen. The bats start coming around. Watch out for Arizona to be a sneaky team this year. I don't think what they're doing right now is fluky at all. I think that's legit. So we'll see. I, I'm not going to call out a World Series game yet. I'm, I can't. Not yet. I'm going to wait until we get closer to the end of the, end of the month. So stay tuned. You got to listen to the episode so I can call out that that home run game. I mean, that. sorry, the World Series game. <laughs> uh now, there's some some interesting news that just came out. So, I don't know how many of y'all gamble, but news just broke that the Supreme Court strikes down federal anti-sports gambling law. In other words, they're allowing... It, it used to be that you could only go to Vegas to gamble, right? Quote, unquote. You could only go to Vegas or Nevada, whatever. I'm sorry, Nevada to, to gamble. Well, a fact that most of y'all may not know is that the American Gaming Association estimates that Americans illegally wager about $150 billion on sports every year. So it was a matter of time before this happened, right? And the government is probably thinking, well, hey, if we can get our hands in this and benefit from this, why not let people just circulate their money, right? This is big. 
This is big. This is going to affect a lot of things. $150 billion, more than that. I mean, $150 billion of it was was illegal. That's not even counting the, the legal betting that was going on. This is a whole... This is a whole new economy that's just about to open up, or a whole new part of the economy that's about to open up. It's going to open up doors for other things, right? Uh, if you're into daily fantasy, like FanDuel, DraftKings, I've been playing FanDuel and DraftKings for five years. So when I first started, there was a lot of noise, and it's been like this for years. There's been a lot of noise that they're going to shut it down. There's states that you can't play FanDuel you, in, in certain states. You can't play DraftKings in certain states. That's going to change. If they're allowing you to gamble nationwide now, why wouldn't you be able to play Daily Fantasy nationwide? So those of you in those states that are butthurt about not being able to play, it's a matter of time before you'll be able to get your get your hands into everything again. And FanDuel and DraftKings, this is this is music to their ears right now. Like if you if you if you can invest in FanDuel or DraftKings, I'm gonna suggest that you do so. Because Again, I've been playing for years. And when I say I'm an addict, I'm an addict. Okay, I love fantasy sports. I'll talk fantasy sports all day. I'll discuss anything about fantasy sports because I'm that deep into it. But the gambling, that's huge. That's huge for the industry. Those of you that are involved, hey, just be responsible. I don't want to see the divorce rate go up. Uh, You know what I mean? I don't want to see marriages and homes wrecked because of gambling. But, I mean, realistically, the government probably really doesn't care. They just want their money. You know how this goes. So, thanks for listening. Catch me on the next episode. I'll be chopping it up about fantasy sports. I'll be talking a little bit about MLB DFS, FanDuel, DraftKings. Follow me on Twitter at Fantasy Roster. Follow me on Instagram at Fantasy Roster. Again, if you have any suggestions, any recommendations, anything that you want me to discuss, please, I'm open to to anything pretty much. And you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for listening.